Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election and other related catastrophes and all that stuff that we keep talking about over and over again, week in, week out. My name is David, and I'm joined by my two friends, Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And John. Hey. John's on the line. Down in North Carolina, as you always say. Is that a problem? It actually is sort of a problem because you guys are in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you're referring to me as down in North Carolina. Because North Carolina is south of California. Mm, It's not south of Los Angeles. Yeah, but you measure the state by the northernmost border of that state. And the northernmost border of California is much further north than the northernmost border of North Carolina. I don't believe that's how you do it. I think you just pinpoint it from where you are to where I am. The whole world is falling apart. I believe Wilmington, North Carolina might be uh, further south than LA, but I'm not in Wilmington. I'm in another area. The problem is that we live in a world where more men wear bracelets <laughs> than eat stew. Did you see that this weekend? Adam Carolla. He said that? Yeah. <laughs> he said it on Twitter, unfiltered platform. He's doing a new live event called Cancel Con with Ben Shapiro and a bunch of other truth tellers who are going to speak out against the SJW <laughs> cancel culture. I can do any Hollywood impression. Call him out. I can do him. Mm. This is Jack Nicholson here. I'm at my hotel writing my horror novel. Here's Johnny. That's Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Give me a name. Give me a name. Brad Pitt. Hey, I'm Brad. I'm Brad Pitt. Hey, hey, guys. What's in the box? What's in the box? That's Brad Pitt. Uh, Tom Hanks. Wilson! Wilson! <laughs> floating away, my volleyball friend. Now I'm alone. So you can do any screaming impression. I'm a celebrity screamer. Yeah. Any celebrity scream I can do. So Adam Carolla just threw that out there? Starly, Adam Carolla, you have to understand, this guy... I'm about to go so deep on Adam Carolla. Okay, everybody settle in. Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew, back on Loveline. Yes. Has there ever been a better radio show hosted by two people who turned out to be the absolute worst than classic Loveline? Hmm. That show was so freaking good. Yeah. I got a box of cassette tapes off the side of the street a couple weeks ago, and one of the tapes had a recorded episode of Loveline, I guess from the 90s, and I was listening to it, and I was like, this is the greatest call-in radio show I've ever heard. I forgot how good it was. And then look how Dr. Drew has turned into such a, he was like a COVID truther for a while. He's just like a gross celebrity rehab guy now. And Adam Carolla's brand has always been obnoxious. But now that's so politicized that to be obnoxious now means that like you're a reactionary. Mm-hmm. And the whole problem is more American men wear bracelets and eat stew. Stew? Who eats? Nobody eats stew. I eat stew. What? Brunswick stew. It's pretty good. I guarantee you don't eat stew. Brunswick stew. Last week, finally, at long last, Ed Markey emerged victorious in the Massachusetts primary over... Oh, I already forgetting the kid's name. Joe Kennedy the ninth or whatever. I made money on that bet finally. I priced out at 95 cents and sold all my shares. I didn't want to wait around. So a vindication for Kid Midas. I was in that marquee thing and I was betting that it was going to be closer. So I had Kennedy thinking that it might, when the returns were going to come in, that I would be able to make some money on a swing, and I didn't. Uh, so I lost a little bit of money there, and uh, ho- hopefully not too many people lost money on that, like me as well. But I was also in Kanye No in Virginia, and he lost. 
he was kicked off the ballot. So I made about 40 some dollars on that. And I think a lot of our listeners were able to make good money on that. So I felt good. Thank you, John, for helping our listeners make money off the hubris and incompetence of the Kanye West campaign and also the cynicism. Tell me if this would have been a good tweet. Somebody retweeted Kanye West's tweet from a few years ago where he said, I have no manager. I can't be managed. And I, I have to confess, I had half a mind to go into his comments and say, hmm, me thinks Jared Kushner is your manager. Would that have been a zing, John? <laughs> I always run all my hot tweets by John first. Would that have been a good zing? That was good, yeah. Oh, I should have done it. I think you, if for it to be a zing, though, it has to be phrased like a zing. Like, what about manager Kushner? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, that you just punched up my tweet to perfection. <laughs> what about manager Kushner? <laughs> Run these by Starly from now on. No one would have known what I was talking about. Okay, you got to phrase it like a zing. <laughs> this week, things corrected on predicted. The polling seemed to stabilize. Things had tightened last week. Predicted was going wild. Everyone was underwater. The MAGA people were going wild. And that uh, enthusiasm has waned a bit this week as the polling has stabilized. I, I believe Biden is up by about seven and a half points right now, uh, which is down from about nine, which was his high. That's not much of a bump for Trump. The race has been like last week, it was like. The shape people were in before COVID, working out, tight muscles, and now it's become whoa. Now the now the race has slackened. All the muscle that was accumulated in our lives before this. John is, is mesmerized by this analogy. <laughs> Look at John's this, eyes. This is incredible. This, this is masterful storytelling. Body horror analogy storytelling. Keep going, Starly. Yeah. I love it. Remember before COVID when all our muscles were so tight and bunched up and firm? And now we're just like a bag of, we're like a bag of stew, you know, to, to bring it back to Adam Carolla. The race tightening was that. It was artificial, just like when you like get in shape before your wedding. The shape that you're in for your wedding is not how you actually are. It's called a party pump. Is that true? Yeah, you pop your biceps right before you go out to a party. It's a party pump. Party pump. You have to do that. Never did that ever. Really? I did that once at my college reunion. Did it work? I can't even remember what I was curling in my dorm room right before I went to my reunion thing, but I was wearing this really tight t-shirt, and this is back when I was like a fiend for lifting weights. And I think I took some buckets I found and put all my shoes in them and tried to do them. <laughs> tried to make these buckets as heavy as possible. <laughs> oh, God. John, are we set in stone until November? This is just the way it is. Biden leads by seven points nationally and nothing is going to change. Everyone's made up their mind. Everyone is sick of hearing about these two guys. People know where they stand and that's it. I kind of think we might be. I think we might see a little more tightening at times, but I will not be surprised if this is where we go into election day at about seven points. Which means that's not exactly what's not going to happen. <laughs> Every time historically that we have uttered the phrase, I would not be surprised. Right. Any day now, that expectation will be upended. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's been very stable, very boring compared to 2016, which was up and down all over the place. I mean, we've definitely had lots of exciting news events that have come out. They just haven't moved the polls. What if the vaccine were to be discovered next week? Oh, yeah. This vaccine that's going to work wonders and be a good vaccine. <laughs> I think that could help them. I don't think it'll happen. I just wonder what could happen between now and Election Day that would make that would turn the fates in Donald Trump's favor. The Russians will come out with some fake video of Biden 
compromise, some tapes, something like that. I don't think that's going to make any difference. You know, the New York Times is going to drop an expose that Trump has been cheating on his taxes and stolen all these millions of dollars and billions of dollars. It's not going to matter. They did that over a year ago. Yeah. I just can't see anything. Well, now, wait a minute, guys, because we're ignoring the elephant in the room. This big elephant over here in the corner that's a loser and a sucker because it died (laughs) in a war. I do feel like last week's... Every time I think about this, I just I have to just chuckle in spite of myself. This news report came out in the Atlantic magazine by Iraq war booster Jeffrey Goldberg, now for some reason resistance hero. I guess I follow that logic, but still, it's like, this guy is not your friend if you're on the left. But anyway, he brought out this amazing article, which I'm sure you've all heard about, where Trump was calling all these dead Marines and calling them losers and suckers and like going to visit John Kelly's son's grave. John Kelly's son was killed in Afghanistan and Trump was like, I just don't get it, man. What was in it for these people? (laughs) Now, we've all heard our president say a lot of wacky things over the years and none of them seem to make much of a difference. I think because none of them have directly contradicted his core engine of his behavior and his supporters, which I believe is white supremacy and racism. Accusations of sexual assault, they don't threaten white supremacy, so they let it slide. Hypocrisy doesn't threaten white supremacy. Tax evasion doesn't threaten white supremacy. Getting in bed with Putin doesn't threaten white supremacy. But this one feels like of all the things that have come out about Trump, this thing about calling the military losers and suckers for going off to war and fighting for their country and not making it back alive... To me, that feels like the one that gets the closest to edging up against this foundational mindset of white supremacy. Now, I understand the military is an extremely diverse institution, but it feels like these twin mythologies or these twin compulsions of like racism and and military worship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This country has racist foundations. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so they have to believe that our country is worth dying for in order to keep in place the tenant of white supremacy. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a pretty close overlap. So to me, this one feels like there might be a little, there might be a little friction there. There might be a little tension there. They might be less excited to vote for him. Unless they believe all the stuff that came out afterwards where all of his people are saying that that he didn't say it. Right. But I mean, that's that's proof that this one is damaging is because they are going crazy trying to deny it. I mean, it's been corroborated by seven different news organizations. It's so incredible. I mean, let's really just let's really just think about how incredible it is that the president said that. He has said a lot of incredible things. He has surprised us over and over again with his mind and his behavior and all that stuff. But this one was the one where it was like, God damn. Do you think it's his most honest? Yeah, because when I first heard it, it's like, yeah, I'm sure I've been to like an alt comedy night where some comedian has said the same thing. Yeah, everyone who died in Vietnam was a sucker. Like they went off and fought in the Imperial War machine. They fell for it. And you're in the back of the comedy club like, all right, this is bold. But like, I understand the logic there. This is not even what Trump was thinking, I don't think. Maybe he was about Vietnam. Like, obviously, he didn't go to Vietnam. He does think they're suckers. Like, what were they doing? Why weren't you born into a family with a history of bone spurs that can be traced back to the Mayflower? (laughs) But the losers thing is just like, losers, leave them alone. They're dead. They died in World War I. Leave them alone. Why would you call them losers? Oh, my God. I hope he gets haunted by these ghosts. I hope these World War I ghosts just stick it to him. (laughs) I would say that when it comes to understanding 
Not only how our government works, but how humans are, Donald Trump is as close to an alien being president as we will ever have. (laughs) In terms of a creature who just does not understand how humanity works on so many levels. Mm Mm-hmm. This is like one of those Star Trek episodes where some guy in a rubber suit and blue makeup would turn to Captain Kirk and say, I don't understand your ways. You're telling me that people volunteer to be put in danger for the sake of the betterment of Hmm. society? And Captain Kirk would say, yeah, it's it's what we do. We look out for each other. It's called patriotism, USS Enterprise. And the alien would say, makes no sense to me. My society only looks out for ourselves. And Captain Kirk would say, well, maybe that's why we're going to win this war. That's what Trump is like. He doesn't understand. He's truly like, I don't understand what was in it for them. Does not compute, John (laughs) Kelly. Does not compute. But in the Star Trek, does the alien have a point? Do they both have a point? Yeah, maybe. But as president, you can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say it. Right. If Bernie Sanders was president, it was like, everyone in Vietnam's a bunch of suckers. We're never going to make sure this never happens again. Exploiting the working class for causes they have no... <laughs> they're victimized by this system. Capitalism. Finger wag, finger wag, finger wag. It's not going to happen again. Then I'd be like, okay, this is a reframing of uh, a national uh, mythology, but I think I understand where we're going. I guess I'll sign on, you know. But with Trump, it's just completely different. Does not compute, does not compute. So we we all agree that it's probably not going to have a major effect. It might have an effect on the margins, but here's the biggest effect I think it has on the race is that Trump is down right now and we're down to eight weeks and they just wasted an entire week on the clock when they're losing in the game. So even if it doesn't change a single vote, it hurts him. Opportunity costs. Exactly. Opportunity costs. So in that sense, and it, and it might go another week for all we know. I hope it does. It's an amazing news story. The one thing they might argue is, yeah, but you're talking about him and not Biden, aren't you? Biden is like, fuck, don't talk about me. I'm chilling. Keep on talking about this guy. What do I care? You know we're in four corners right now, John. Yeah. Four Tell corners, him four baby. Cor- Tell him what four corners is. Dean Smith's offensive defensive strategy once you're up in the game you, you just spread all the uh, players out and start passing it around and running clock it's before college basketball had a shot clock and it drives the other side crazy of course because they start does. to panic yeah they start to panic and they're they're looking for different ways to try to get back in the game and then they make more mistakes and you end up getting a backdoor layup and now you're even further ahead in the polls so we're in four corners right now I think the panic in this case is them denying it, denying it, and then just getting more and more confirmation from other sources who are just sick of him and just want to shiv him in the back. Although I don't think John Kelly will ever come out on the record and say this happened because I think John Kelly is a white supremacist creep just like Trump. I bet he will. Oh, here we go. Side bet. Will John Kelly fulfill liberal Twitter's dreams and come out and give a big announcement and say, yeah, Donald Trump said this stuff to me while we were visiting my late sons. Not before the election, no. But all of these guys are eventually going to come out. Why not before the election? John Kelly doesn't like him. Just because they're cowards. They're cowards. Yeah. I think he might. I think he thinks it's dangerous if Trump wins again. Okay, I bet you side bet. Zoom side bet, Starlee, $20. I bet John Kelly will not come out before the election and confirm these quotes on the record. Will you take that bet? I accept that bet. I think he will. Virtual Zoom handshake. That actually works. Okay. (laughs) Do you you want me to act as escrow? You guys can each wire me $20. Yeah, we'll do that, John. You'll be our escrow account. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit off the top, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. 
report came out this week that our USPUS Postmaster General, Pusmaster General Louis DeJoy of Greensboro, North Carolina, illegally <laughs> reimbursed employees for making political donations on his behalf so that he could bypass campaign finance laws to Republican politicians, which assured his rise in the GOP and to his final ascendancy on the throne of the USPUS kingdom. One of these candidates, John Kimball, was North Carolina's own incumbent senator, Tom Tillis. Did you see that? I did. Our boy Tom is back in the news, received what might have been illegal campaign contributions from the Postmaster General himself, the Grinch of Greensboro, Louis DeJoy. Cal Cunningham, the Democratic challenger to Tom Tillis, according to Real Clear Politics, has a lead of four points. John, it's another scandal, and the question must be, will this affect the race at all? Tillis is not looking great for Tillis right now. (laughs) And David, I got to give you credit because you, from the very beginning, have been positive or optimistic, I would say. My attitude is cautious optimism towards this Senate seat. And I I was pessimistic at the beginning. You were quite pessimistic. But I am optimistic now. I think that Cal Cunningham is looking great. Yeah, this doesn't help. It's more bad news. And now the Attorney General of North Carolina, Josh Stein, Chapel Hill High School graduate. Are you serious? He went to Chapel Hill High? Yeah, he did. I didn't know that. And he is uh, looking into, you know, these... uh, accusations. Because this happened when DeJoy was a North Carolina resident. Right. And DeJoy has come out. He came out just in the last hour and apologized if he made uh, some of his employees feel uncomfortable by suggesting- Go to hell, Louis DeJoy. Go to hell in Long John so it's even hotter. And when I say go to hell, I mean come to Los Angeles because it's pretty cold in Los Angeles right now. It's pretty, pretty nice air quality. Just want to take a moment and say to whoever had that gender reveal party that set the forest on fire, we just really hope that you are so pleased with your baby's gender that it was worth all this. We hope your baby just has the best gender you could have hoped for. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen and, and everybody, it just feels sometimes like this whole country has just gone to hell in a handbasket. It's just too much. Yeah. Oh, I might have to buy a bracelet that says, sometimes it's just too much. That would really trigger Adam Carolla. I would love to be in a rap group with Adam Carolla. We could just rap about our different philosophies and trade lines like Run DMC or something. That would just be so cool. What are you talking about? I don't know, man. I'm a little punchy. <laughs> I want to thank the Twitter user who DM'd me about my Portland analysis. You're right. Portland is not a red state. I should have made it more clear. Portland always votes blue. But I I was referring, of course, to the rural Republican areas outside of the city when I was talking about the toxic dynamic between white supremacists and cops in Portland. So thank you for that. I love the chaotic energy of this episode. Yeah. John, what do you have? Uh, We had a boat parade. (laughs) forgot about that. <laughs> there was a boat parade in, in Austin on uh, Lake Travis, a uh, bunch of MAGA people, and it didn't go well. A bunch of boats sunk, but nobody got hurt, so that's good. It's good that no one got hurt so that we can freely laugh at it. Right, right. Wait, hold on. I have to say, in our defense, we're talking about a boat parade in honor of a president who called dead Marines and soldiers losers and suckers. And we're like, oh, thank goodness nobody got hurt so we can laugh about this boat parade. (laughs) It's so unfair. It's so, he called them losers and suckers. And we're like, I just want to make sure that nobody got hurt so that we can really giggle and chortle about these dumb boats that sunk in a lake. That's why we lose. That's why we lose. No, 
That's why we win. Oh, my God. Got Michelle Obama on the mic over here. Look at this. That's why we win. <laughs> really? You think? Hey, we're winning right now. Okay. A little too confident John about it. John is just it, winning and grinning the... over there. Look at that smile. Oh, my God. So what's going on in Nevada, John? Because last week you were a little concerned that Biden was putting up ads in what you thought would be a safe state. So what's the deal with Nevada? Well, a a poll did finally come out this week. The first one we had seen in weeks or months and showed Biden ahead in Nevada by five, which uh, made me feel a little bit better. Trump is targeting, the Trump campaign is targeting Nevada. They can see that they're in big trouble in the Midwest, in Michigan particularly. They believe that that's gone. And even Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, which is supposed to be the good. tipping point state, yeah. they're down by seven points. Come on, Wisconsin. Let's do this. Green Bay, Sheboygan, Kenosha, Manitowoc, Madison, Milwaukee. Come on, Wisconsin, Mequon. Fond du Lac. So they're panicking a little bit and looking for another entry point because they're thinking we need to expand the map and flip some other states. So they're looking at New Hampshire. They're looking at Nevada. Nevada has a high non-college population, which has tended to favor Trump, he likes the uneducated, as he says. That's a good plan for our country. Yeah. He's like, why wouldn't I do this? This helps me. But I don't think he's going to flip any states that he lost last time. Right now, it's showing that Biden's ahead by seven and a half points nationally. That might not be right. Maybe the polls are off and he's only ahead by six or whatever. It's sort of like a scale. I was thinking of it this way. Oh. When you lose weight, you will see that number go down on your scale. So right now in the in the national polls, we've had all this stuff with the unrest and, and things like that. And people are thinking that's going to help Trump. And the polls just haven't moved in his direction. So whether they're right or wrong, there has been no trend. There has been no movement. So that's that's good news for Biden. It's so Biden. Biden might actually be, the, yeah, the best possible candidate for this dynamic. Don't move too much. Yeah. Don't say too much. No mistakes. People know who he is. No turnovers. Yeah. Wear your mask. Don't get COVID. Remember when I used to tease Biden about hiding in his bunker back in the day? And he was like, this is, looks so weak. And Trump came out with his new nickname, Hide in Biden. And Donald Trump Jr. is always tweeting about Biden hiding in his bunker. The problem is then Biden comes out and says, four coherent sentences in a row in the sunlight and everyone it blows everyone's mind like holy shit joe biden's the most vigorous man i've ever seen in my life he's winning both ways because he wins if he doesn't say anything and then people say why isn't he saying anything then he says one thing and everyone thinks he's like you know the second coming of winston churchill i think it's a great position for biden run out the clock the problem is is running out the clock enough to inspire people to come to the polls and support down ticket races This is what I think about when I think about this North Carolina Senate race, for instance. I think they'll take bigger risks as they get closer. I think in the in the last few weeks, he's going to be out and about thinking, you know what, if I come down with COVID in the last week, I can probably keep it under wraps. You know, actually, this makes a lot of sense because for people who are voting early, make sure listeners check your state, make sure you know how to vote and when you can start voting. For people who vote early, it's because they know who they're voting for. They're done. Like, I'm ready to vote. John, I know you're ready to vote. I know North Carolina is sending out ballots. Yeah. So let those people go vote. And then as you get closer to election day, Who's left? Undecideds. That's when you go crazy to try to seduce these undecideds. That's when Joe Biden can talk about stew and bracelets if he wants to win like the anti-PC Joe Rogan guys or whatever. So maybe this is good for Biden. He can have it both ways. He can be the boring guy right now for everyone who knows they're going to vote for him. 
And then when there's like two days left, he can go nuts and take off his shirt. Do Molly. Do Molly and just go crazy with drugs. (laughs) Wow. That would be so exciting. Listeners, we got some feedback about my Pelosi... I don't know. if Would you call it Pelosi bashing? Yes. Starley, why don't you read these questions and we can address them? Okay. Hi, election profit makers. I'm normally on board with everything you guys say, or if I don't agree, it's at least something to think about. But David needs to chill with the Pelosi hate. It makes a listen unbearable. You sound like Rush Limbaugh or Alex Jones. Maybe harness that hatred to Mitch McConnell or someone who actually stands in the way of progress. I'm not saying Pelosi is the champion of the progressive movement, but you sound like a misogynist at best and someone who's slipping into conservative thinking at worst. She's not all bad. I think she could actually be pretty awesome if McConnell didn't shut down every attempt of hers to get everything accomplished in Congress. Remember, without his cooperation, she can't do anything. Harness that hate and focus it on the Republican Party. Maybe even get involved on campaigns to flip red districts. Get involved in redistricting campaigns. I would be happy to give you more information on how to do that. If I wanted to listen to Pelosi bashing, I would do it on my own terms and turn on Fox News. By no means am I trying to insult you, just to maybe bring an awareness as a listener. P.S. Let Satchel be. And then we had another one that said, I am stressed out by how... David has been talking about Pelosi for a multitude of reasons. Many prominent Democratic men have said and done things worthy of being called out, but they are not. Beto also supported Kennedy against Markey, for example. Pelosi is an easy target in an extremely shitty misogynist world. Look at the totality of her career and life. She literally has been the only woman in the room standing up to Trump on so many occasions. Make this right, David. Okay, so here's what I think. Obviously, when you get an email like this, your first reaction is to become incredibly defensive. Uh, but once I got over that stage, I mean, I guess I guess I have been a little bit hard on Nancy Pelosi. And I'm sure part of that, I mean, it might be misogyny. Who knows? I'm sure I'm sure I have misogyny inside me. But when it comes to saying that, like, the one listener says I sound like Rush Limbaugh or Alex Jones, or that it sounds like Fox News. I mean, those people, I assume, are criticizing Pelosi from the right. And I guess when I think about the things that make me frustrated about Nancy Pelosi, who is the leader of the party in the House of Representatives, she's not a random woman that we're picking on. I feel like my frustrations come from the left. I think really what set me off was that dumb prayer. And maybe I read too much into it. And maybe it was misogynist of me to be so mad at her about that disingenuous, unhelpful, condescending prayer about pray for the poor people, but pray more for the people who won't give him any money or food during a pandemic. And as far as like save some of your outrage for Mitch McConnell, I kind of feel like on this podcast, it goes without saying Mitch McConnell is the worst of the worst. Like he's an absolute nihilist. There's nothing to say about him. Yeah. I normally get very frustrated by people's, by their progressive constant bashing of Nancy Pelosi, I have to say. When you say progressives, you mean the left, right? Yeah, sorry. the le- I don't know what the term is anymore. It's all, it's all mixed up, guys. It's all mixed up. The left. You're talking about the like the left, like Bernie people, Chapo, Yeah, Jacobin. I don't like calling them the far left because it sounds like the far right. There's specific pundits kind of on the left that I've heard talk about the Democrats and Pelosi, where it's the same. It is truly the same as Fox News. And they straight up think that Democrats are as bad as Republicans. And I think it's foolish. I think it's immature. When we talked about Pelosi on this podcast, I actually was the one who brought it up because I'm so often defending Democrats and Pelosi that when they went and they broke for recess, I felt 
let down by the people that I'm constantly defending. Yeah, and I would say the other my other big problem with Pelosi, and I understand she has a huge, incredibly diverse caucus of of representatives from all over the country who are dealing with all different types of constituents. And some of the people who are Democrats that are in her caucus are in districts that Trump won. So she has to sometimes not go as balls out hard to the left as I would like. But her whole attitude when it comes to like DeJoy and the ballot security and Russian interference, and she didn't even want to impeach him over the Ukraine bullshit. And she says, well, we're going to have an election. Like, let's just hold him to account at the election. And it's like, they're trying to undermine the election. Like, you need to hold them to account now because like, if you wait till the election, the election might not be legitimate. Just kind of like kicking the ball down the road. That's what gets me frustrated sometimes. But during Trump's tenure, she has been actively fighting against him and Mitch. I think we don't tend to give her credit for when she does things right because we're frustrated. We're frustrated by the entire system of it. Right, yeah. And we feel powerless and we feel like everything has to change and all of it kind of has to go. John, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, she's an easy target and it's probably not particularly brave to bash on her because there's a lot of people that are into that. And to compliment her to give her credit for anything isn't particularly edgy or cool. I think it's easy to bash on her. But on the other hand, like she is the Democratic leader in, you know, in the House. Like, who are you going to bash if not Nancy Pelosi, if you're frustrated with the ineffectual responses to all these like historic outrages and crimes and stuff? I think um, she's fair to bash but I don't think she's always bashed fairly. Oh. I think people feel very comfortable bashing her. I think there is some misogyny rooted in how comfortable people feel bashing her. I totally agree with that. I don't know. I Maybe the reason I find her so frustrating is a little bit of misogyny or something. And I wonder, like, why do I pick on her and not Chuck Schumer? Chuck Schumer's, like, so shitty it's not even worth talking about. Same with Beto. Like... When the listener was like, Beto endorsed Kennedy too, it's like, yeah, but who gives a shit about Beto? Beto is nobody. He's not worth talking about. Who cares? He's just like selling spoon albums on Discogs or something like, I don't care about Beto or work. He has no power. Now let's talk about Satchel. So now we have people saying that I'm also too hard on this man who lives in Florida and makes pizzas and waffles and his name is Satchel. I was thinking about Satchel recently because David Graeber died last week. David Graeber was an anarchist thinker and writer. He wrote a huge book called Debt, The First 5,000 Years. And one of his specialties is the notion of debt in human culture and how debt can be used to oppress people and to organize social relations. David Graeber was big in the Occupy Wall Street movement, and he, I guess, is famous for coining the phrase, we are the 99%. And I met him once or twice when I was working with my friends Laura and Astra on an offshoot of Occupy that was called the Rolling Jubilee, which was a fundraiser to buy distressed medical debt on secondhand market for pennies on the dollar. And then instead of trying to collect the debt, which is what is usually done with this debt, they would just abolish the debt. And since then, Laura and Astra have, I think between student debt and medical debt, they, I think they've abolished at this point like a billion dollars worth of debt. And they were brought into this hmm. project by David Graeber, who was this really inspirational guy because he had these, you know, pretty far left views, but he was an affable kind of goofball, I think. And he made people feel welcome. And he, you know, was a, a genius at recruiting people to the causes that he was interested in. If you want to learn more about David Graeber, there's some really nice remembrances in the New York Review of Books website, nybooks.com. 
I was intrigued to read Astra's recollection of David Graeber recruiting her for all this stuff and making her feel welcome, because I think that's one of Astra's best qualities as an activist and organizer. Is like she always makes people feel welcome and listens to their ideas, even though, truth be told, like she knows better than they do because she's a genius and thinks about this stuff all the time. Astra coincidentally was the last random person I ran into in LA before COVID hit. She was my last walk into a coffee shop, see somebody that you know from the other side of the country, big hug, sit down, have some coffee, catch up, blah, blah, blah. Like Astra was the last person I did that with. She's a real inspirational person. So I was thinking about this because I was thinking about Satchel and whether I've been a little too rough on Satchel. And I decided that in the spirit of David Graeber and in the spirit of his project, the rolling jubilee, this forgiveness of debt, this cancellation of debt that I'm going to officially announce today, the election profit makers rolling jubilee on bans. And I'm here to say that all bans are hereby lifted. If you have ever been banned on this podcast, I think I'm talking to two people at this point, but if you are one of the thousands of people who's ever been banned from listening to election profit makers, all bans are lifted as of today. All debts are forgiven. All are welcome in this tent. We have less than two months to destroy our enemies in the Republican Party and to waltz the lamentations of the cries of their felonious fail sons we need all hands on deck and in that spirit in recognition of this broader goal that we all share satchel you are unbanned beckett you are unbanned we will all walk hand in hand together across the finish line playing four corners is pelosi allowed into that big tent nancy pelosi you are hereby welcome with open arms to ride in our helicopter as we fly over these skylines to a better tomorrow If we can create a blue wave that encompasses not only Satchel, but Nancy Pelosi, friends, we are truly, (laughs) truly unstoppable. There is room for everyone in Helicopter Tony's helicopter. It's like the TARDIS. You can't believe how many motherfuckers we can fit up in this helicopter. So let's come together. We'll put aside our differences. We'll dial back to intra-party warfare and sniping. Mm -hmm. Get the job done. We have less than two months. Satchel, you better be ready to make pizza for everybody. Free pizza for everybody. Discount code election profit makers 100% off at Satchel's and Satch Squared. Sorry, those are the terms and conditions may apply. The true enemy is Don Jr., Eric, Trump, Ivanka, and Tiffany. Never forget that. Don't take your eyes off the prize. We want to hear them crying on election night. I want to see snot and tears falling down Don Jr.'s weak-ass chin. I want it to look like a water slide. Like a little five o'clock shadow water slide. <laughs> there was just a whole episode on the daily about Don Jr. and they called him a superstar. And I feel I can't live in the world knowing that Don Jr. heard that episode and is walking through his days saying, yeah, I'm a superstar. Hey, everybody, it's me, Don Jr. I just want to say I'm a superstar. My daddy loves me. And uh, I have a new book coming out called Triggered. And uh, more men wear bracelets and eat stew. I just don't think I don't, I don't recognize my country anymore. That's what Don Jr. sounds like. Kimberly, you thought you were the superstar because you summoned the dragons, (laughs) but I'm the superstar. Now you have to do it, Kimberly. Welcome, patriots and freedom fighters. Children of liberty, let us rise. I'll save that voice because we have to record our satanic episode because we reached 666 Patreon supporters. Thank you, election profit makers, supporters. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. Hail Satan. John, what are you going to bet on this week? I got nothing for this week. I think I'm going to flip shares as boring 
as that is. You just keep your $10 a day? Yeah, and I've been able to do it. I think my average is like about $11 that I've made the last two weeks. So. Starly, do you have a bet of the week? I've done some yes shares in Biden winning, some no shares in Trump losing. I don't know how John makes $10 a day. I can't imagine. I get so excited if I even see the green arrow up like a dollar. It takes hours. It's nothing to be proud of. I did invest in North Carolina. Thank you. In solidarity to you two. Thank you. To it going blue. And I'm currently up in that market. I also put some money, I bet Clarence Thomas leaving the Supreme Court. Ooh, I, I think that's a good bet. It could happen. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that if they believe that Trump is going to lose, that he would step down. And I might actually bet into the states that Biden's probably not going to win, but are low right now, like Texas. And maybe I'll buy some of that and then flip. Yeah, I think there's some good value there. Also, I mean, like you can buy no on um, Trump in New York for 90 cents. It's ridiculous. So if you're looking to just make nine or 10 cents return. Those are for the listeners. I always see those markets and I'm always like, I know I can make money off of them, but they're just not very sexy. No, I agree. David, what are you investing in since you're so into predict it this season? Well, I'll tell you. I, I talked to numerous people and they're like, what's up with David? Why is he not into it? You and Starley are so into it and giving all this advice. It was one market I People want to see more from you, David. Well, they'll be happy to know that I just bought into Democrats winning Wisconsin in the 2020 presidential election at 65 cents. I know Wisconsin is going to go for Biden. And I feel like this is a very, very fair price, 65 cents, when they have him up at least five points in every poll that I've seen. So in solidarity with my family and friends from Wisconsin, I'm jumping in at 65 cents. And I would think it's disgusting that just because I didn't succumb to the vice presidential market mania like you and Starley, that people think I'm not into predicted. I'm out here losing money hand over fist. I was convinced Donald Trump would resign like 20 times in the last two weeks. I get clobbered every single day on this goddamn predicted website. Biden dropping out, I think is still at like... <laughs> I love those markets. And I, oh, and I have my Kim Jong-un market. I'm so invested in the dear leader. People think I don't love predicted. I just, I'm playing massive head games over here. Most people can't see. That's why they think I'm not into it. I'm over here influencing North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. Please rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And please subscribe to the show in case you're not so that you can get it as quickly as possible. The feedback on these podcast apps helps other people find the show and join our unstoppable helicopter of justice, which will be lifting off the tarmac soon, so we need everyone to get on board as quickly as possible. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions or any feedback to the email address contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 and receive up to $20 in matching funds so that you can bet with us and win money with us or lose money with us, whichever is your pleasure. We satisfy all fetishes. <laughs> this is David, and I'm saying goodbye. Don't forget to eat your stew this week. We have to remind Adam Carolla that we men are still out here and we're stronger than ever. We don't wear bracelets. We eat hot stew. Right, John Kimball? That's right. Right, Starly Kind? Yeah, there's nothing like hot stew in 118 degrees. <laughs> stew isn't even manly. Stew's pretty good. I like Brunswick stew. What is Brunswick yeah, stew? You keep talking about Brunswick stew. Brunswick stew this. Brunswick, <laughs> what is it? You're from North Carolina. You don't know what Brunswick no, stew what is? what is it? Google it. 
Wow. It's just awesome stuff. Bye. 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 I know you say we're going to stop all the bands, but there is one band that you have left to do. I had a very frustrating weekend this weekend, friends, because I was trying to fix this tape recorder that a listener had sent me. Listeners have been so generous sending tape recorders, and I have to ban tape recorders. I'm over tape recorders. Tape recorders suck. They can't be fixed. There's nothing more frustrating than replacing all the belts on a tape recorder and then realizing you made it worse than ever, and then you put all the old belts back on, and now the freaking rewind function doesn't work. So tape recorders are banned. No tape recorders can listen to our podcast ever again. Only humans and animals from now on. We welcome our animal listeners and we love our human listeners. But all these tape recorders that are listening to our podcast and being like, finally, a podcast about me. No tape recorders. You can't listen to our podcast. You are banned. The end. (laughs) 